We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 426 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, October 21st, 2022, as we get set for a homecoming weekend kind of weekend. Uh, we have homecoming at schools across the mid-Atlantic region, Maryland, Howard, James Madison, Old Dominion, and oh yeah, this is homecoming weekend. For the Commanders, uh, their game against the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1 is Washington's annual alumni homecoming game. And already we have plenty of controversy. Uh, One of the best tight ends in Redskins history, my former radio partner, Chris Cooley, isn't attending homecoming weekend, even though he earlier this year was voted as being one of the next 10 greatest members of the franchise to get to 90 all-time greats in honor of the 90th anniversary of the creation of the franchise. Uh, Things did not end well between Cooley and the team a few years ago. He was poised to be on Ron Rivera's coaching staff. I don't know how much of this has actually been talked about, so I'll talk about it right here. Uh, Cooley was poised to be on Ron's coaching staff, and then things went sideways. Uh, Ron actually thought that Cooley leaked to the media, that Cooley was going to be on the coaching staff. Uh, I do not believe that Cooley did that, but Ron was trying to clean up the culture, didn't want a leaker, and so the team parted with Cooley, even though, again, I don't believe that Cooley leaked that. Uh, But anyway, no Cooley at Alumni Homecoming Weekend. And then there is this seat cushion controversy. Uh, Have you been following this? So the team is giving out seat cushions at the game, was going to do so prior to the game, but now is doing so after the game. Why after the game? Well, because apparently out of fear that fans will throw the seat cushions onto the field, a la one of the most famous games in Redskins history, the seat cushion game, uh, which was a divisional round playoff win over the Atlanta Falcons at RFK Stadium in January 1992. But to me, the most outrageous part about this 
isn't that the team is changing when it's giving out the seat cushions, uh, nor is the most outrageous part that like uh, basically nobody even knew that seat cushions were being given out. No, the most outrageous part about this is that the people in charge of this promotion apparently didn't know about the seat cushion game and thus didn't anticipate the potential for fans to throw the seat cushions onto the field. Uh, Way to know the history of your team. Hello and welcome to a Football Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. In-depth preview of the Commanders game against the Green Bay Packers is forthcoming as we get you set for what is a big game for the Commanders, the potential for them to get to three and four, facing a three and three Packers team that has some problems right now. Uh, coming up on the show, the latest on injuries for the game. You will hear extensive comments from both Commanders offensive coordinator Scott Turner and defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio. I have a special guest to talk Packers. He's a man who used to be a Washington fan, but now is a Packerbacker. He is my old pal, my former co-worker at the Team 980, Steve Zabin, the host of the Steve Zabin Show on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee and the host of the Zabecast podcast. Looking forward to having Zabe back on the podcast. I have rhyming keys for you as I will rhyme the path to victory for the Commanders over the Packers, and I have a prediction for the game as well. Also on the show, college football. Virginia got itself a win on Thursday night. Not a pretty win, uh, but a win, a 16-9 win at Georgia Tech. Wait until you hear some of the details of this game. Uh, I have two Goldilocks for you, previews and picks for Maryland's home game against Northwestern on Saturday afternoon at 3.30, and Navy's home game against Houston on Saturday afternoon at noon. And I'll talk Capitals. Uh, what's up with the Cavs? They fell to 2-3-0 and with a 5-2 loss at the Ottawa Senators on Thursday night. Uh, Before we get to some feedback, so we had significant breaking Nationals news late Thursday afternoon. Per The Athletic, the group led by Wizards, Capitals, and Mystics owner Ted Leonsis has emerged as the frontrunner to buy the Nationals. Uh, Now, there is a lot here that we still have to come to know. I actually think that Ted, as Nats owner, could be a good thing. Again, there's a lot here that we still have to figure out. But here's my principal takeaway in the moment with this. This does suggest that the sale of the Nats is happening this offseason and perhaps is happening sooner rather than later. And that's great news if you're a Nats fan. You do not want the Nats to remain in this lame duck status with the learners as owners, okay? You want the Nats to get the new ownership in there and to get the ball rolling on this new era of Nats ownership. One of the worst things for a team or really any entity is to have lame duck ownership, okay? It's important for the health of the franchise, for the direction of the franchise, especially the Nats right now as they're in the midst of this rebuild, to have ownership that wants to own the team. And so I really hope that the sale of the Nats is going to be happening sooner rather than later and happening before the MLB offseason truly gets going here. We'll see. But big report from The Athletic late Thursday afternoon. The group led by Ted Leonsis has emerged as the frontrunner to buy the Nats. 
You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Aaron on the Commander's return game, writes Aaron. Saw a clip of Steven Sims Jr. returning a punt this week. Just reminded me of some of the decisions that Washington staff has been making in the special teams department. How is it that we failed to pay the veteran minimums for DeAndre Carter, Steven Sims Jr., and Alex Erickson? We are stuck with shorthands Dax Milne back there. Barely any Antonio Gibson three years into his career, and no Danny Johnson, who, by the way, was pretty impressive for years on the analytics of some of his returns. Why is this something that we have to put up with? I'm tired of our offense starting inside of our own 25 every drive. Thank you for the email, Aaron. Uh, Good topic. So here were the yards per return rankings for the 2022 regular season through week six. Dax Milne was 10th out of 20 qualified players in the NFL in yards per putt return at 8.47. DeAndre Carter was 6th at 10.89. Dax was 11th out of 14 qualified players in the NFL in yards per kickoff return at 20.5. DeAndre Carter was actually worse. He was 12th at 19.7. Look, I wanted the commanders to re-sign DeAndre Carter this past offseason. He ended up signing a nothing deal as an unrestricted free agent with the Los Angeles Chargers, a one-year, $1.135 million contract. And he was good for Washington last season. DeAndre Carter in the 2021 regular season was excellent on kickoff returns. He finished number four in the NFL among all qualified players in yards per kickoff return at 25.1. He was number two in the NFL in total kickoff return yards at 904. Uh, You go back to the win at the Atlanta Falcons in week four of last season. DeAndre Carter in that game returned the opening kickoff of the second half, 101 yards for a touchdown. That kickoff return is tied for the longest regular season kickoff return in Washington history. So I wanted DeAndre Carter back. You know, Dax Milne statistically hasn't been as bad as people may think, but his decision-making on returns has not been the best. Uh, Now, in fairness to him, the blocking for him on his returns has not been the best. And yeah, it does feel like every commander's offensive drive starts with the team backed up big time. Uh, Email from Ian on the commander's disappointing season so far. Right, Ian, let me start by saying I expected the commanders to be better this season. I did not think that the Carson Wentz trade was a terrible decision, and I thought that we'd be in the hunt for the playoffs. But as we know, those hopes are quickly fading. You have made note many times this year of the team's atrocious point differential, and point differential is usually a very good indicator of how good a team actually is. Using expected win-loss, our team should be 2-4, and four, nothing surprising. However, when you look at last year's expected win-loss, we should have been 6-11 and 11 instead of 7-10, and 10, which does not lead you to think that we were on the cusp of a huge year this season. If Ron Rivera looked at the analytics, he should have known that last year's team needed significant upgrades to compete instead of some old Band-Aid replacements and subpar quarterback play. For reference, we last season had five wins within one score and seven losses of more that one score. I truly believe that our team's performance should not come as a shock this year. Uh, thank you for the email, Ian. Good analysis. Uh, you're right. Washington's point differential for last season was not good. Uh, Washington for the 2021 regular season had a point differential of minus 99. The caveat to that was that Washington in the 2021 regular season had the hardest schedule in the NFL per Football Outsiders DVOA metric based on the average team DVOA 
of Washington's opponents. So the thinking was that, hey, the team last season faced a brutal schedule. The team last season got ravaged by injury on offense. The team last season got brutalized by a COVID outbreak late in the season, so much so that the NFL actually changed its COVID protocols. And so to me, it wasn't unreasonable to think that Washington going 7-10 and in the 2021 regular season wasn't as bad as that season felt like when the season was happening. Uh, but yes, the point differential was a major part of the pushback against that line of thinking. And what we also have in effect is that, at least so far, this expected much easier schedule for Washington this season hasn't been so easy. Uh, the Commanders, through week six, per DVOA, had played the eighth hardest schedule in the NFL in the 2022 regular season. And the rest of the Commanders' schedule for the season was ranked as the 11th hardest in the NFL. So, so much for the easier schedule. Uh, email from David Newcomb with quite the analogies for all that is happening with Commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder. Writes David, it has seemed like Dan Snyder would never leave. Never. And you can put that in all caps. <laughs> but that reminded me of a quote by an economist about the Mexican economic crisis of the 1990s. That quote was that economic crises happen very slowly and then all at once, although I found out when I looked it up that that economist was actually paraphrasing Ernest Hemingway from The Sun Also Rises. How did you go bankrupt? Bill asked. Two ways, Mike said, gradually and then suddenly. The Berlin Wall, which had been there my entire life and for two Redskins Super Bowl wins, came down one crazy November night in 1989. Two years later, the Soviet Union dissolved in the relative blink of an eye. The USSR was clearly not doing well, but it seemed like it had enough residual strength to last for a long, long time, and then suddenly, the USSR was gone. It's important to remember that the most implacable, tyrannical regimes are also quite brittle, and while hard to crack, don't survive for long once that first crack appears, because no one wants to save them once they start going down. I can't help but wonder if Danny is finally on the last legs of his ninth life as an NFL owner. Thank you for the email, David. Jeez, what an email. Man, we have some smart people who listen to this podcast. I will put the collective IQ of the audience for this podcast up against the collective IQ of the audience of any other podcast in the country. Uh, great analogies, David. And what you wrote is along the lines of what I have said regarding those who continually dismiss the possibility of Dan Snyder being ousted as commander's owner. Uh, things that are never going to happen, never happen until they happen. And the name change is a perfect example of this. The name Redskins was an issue for years. The name wasn't changing. It really was feeling like the name was never going to change. And then out of nowhere, due to a variety of circumstances, the name changed. You can say that Dan Snyder isn't going to be ousted as owner of the Commanders, and you may well be right. But the fact that he hasn't been ousted yet isn't a good enough reason to think that he isn't ultimately going to be ousted. We in this calendar year of 2022 have had momentum toward Dan being ousted like never before. Maybe it all leads nowhere, but I don't know how anyone can be so sure of that. Things that are never going to happen, never happen until they happen. 
Well, something that I hope never happens to you is you being victimized by the negligence of someone else. But if for whatever reason that does happen, always know that the law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you. No law firm does a better job of fighting for victims than Paulson and Nace does. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C., And West Virginia, Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Uh, Chris Nace and Matt Nace, they are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. You see, Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who caused clients' harm more than the offers benefit the clients. And this is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial. And that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. Heck, take a case that was just concluded. Paulson and Nace in July won a case for which the United States government was paying nearly $1.8 million. Uh, This to a former American University field hockey player because of a military doctor's failure to diagnose and treat the student for a 2011 concussion that left her with permanent symptoms. Uh, You may have heard about this. Paulson and Nace defeated the U.S. government. Uh, Again, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yet you're obligated to nothing. Call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Schedule a no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Thank you to everyone who has rated and reviewed the podcast. If you haven't yet done those things, please consider doing them. Uh, They do help out a lot. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a brief review saying that you like the podcast. Big game for the two and four commanders this Sunday afternoon, home to the three and three Green Bay Packers at one. Next segment, I'll talk commanders defense right now. Commanders offense, for which we had some very bad news on Thursday. Uh, Receiver Jahan Dodson aggravated the hamstring injury that has caused him to be inactive for the team's last two games. Uh, Dodson on Wednesday was a limited participant in practice He, for Thursday, was listed as a limited participant in practice, but the question now becomes how he'll feel on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off this uh, aggravation of the hamstring injury. So, not good. Uh, The commanders have missed Jahan Dodson over their last two games, especially in the red zone. Now, look, it's not a certainty that he'll be out for Sunday, but obviously the likelihood of him playing on Sunday went down with what happened 
on Thursday. Uh, right tackle Samuel Cosme on Thursday was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day. He has been inactive for each of the last two games due to a finger injury. Uh, he reportedly underwent thumb surgery on October 4th. And then the same five commanders active roster offensive players who did not practice on Wednesday also did not practice on Thursday. Quarterback Carson Wentz on Thursday officially did not practice for a second consecutive day. Uh, He does remain on the injury report because he's still on the team's active roster. He could be placed on the reserve injured list off on Monday, undergoing the surgery to address the fractured finger on his right hand. The commander's top two tight ends on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day. Logan Thomas did not practice due to a calf injury that has caused him to be inactive for each of the last two games. And John Bates did not practice due to a hamstring injury that he suffered in pregame warmups now two Thursday nights ago prior to the 12-7 win at the Chicago Bears. He ended up not playing in that game. Uh, Receiver Deami Brown on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day due to a groin ailment. Uh, He, for the win at the Bears, was questionable due to the groin issue. He, in the game, had no receptions on one target, played on just 5% of the commander's offensive snaps. And running back Jonathan Williams on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day due to a knee injury that he suffered in the loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field at Week 5. Williams was inactive for the win at the Bears. Commander's offensive coordinator Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon did a post-practice press conference. His team on Sunday afternoon is starting Taylor Heineke at quarterback for the injured Carson Wentz, but as we just outlined, the offense could be without a number of key pass catchers. Receivers Jahan Dodson and Deami Brown and tight ends Logan Thomas and John Bates all could be out. Uh, However, we by now know how it is with Taylor, how it is with our guy Tay-Tay. He is competitive He has moxie. He has grit. He has very much endeared himself to teammates and fans. Uh, Here was Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on what it is about Taylor Heineke that endears him to others. I think people just appreciate um, his toughness and just kind of that durability and that never say die attitude, both, you know, with his story um, as well as... uh, you know, just the way he plays the game, you know what I mean? He kind of plays with an edge, um, can be, you know, a little reckless at times, I guess. I think people just like that energy, you know, that he brings, both his teammates. I mean, his, his teammates know it doesn't take long to figure out he's going to give you everything he's got. Um, he lays it out there, and, and people respect that and, and rally around that. Funny to hear Scott Turner first say that Taylor Heineke displays, quote, durability, end quote. Remember, his lack of durability was maybe the biggest knock against him going into last season, but he last season demonstrated durability. And then how about Scott admitting that Taylor, quote, can be a little reckless at times, I guess, end quote. Not often that a quarterback is referred to as reckless by his offensive coordinator. Uh, Something that Taylor Heineke most definitely is, is mobile. Uh, certainly more so than Carson Wentz's. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on how Taylor's mobility will help the commander's offense. Yeah, I don't know necessarily. I mean, it'll it'll help the offense just because he can. You know, he'll be able to scramble. He runs. I mean, you see the things that he did. You know, get himself out of out of some trouble. Um, you know, ultimately he's going to have to stand in there and and make throws, um, which he can do as well. But I think it always helps when a guy can scramble and move around a little bit. So that, to me, was a rather lukewarm answer from Scott Turner on Taylor Heineke's mobility. Uh, I don't know if Scott was being coy or was being truthful, but, you know, I was not a fan of how little Washington 
presented Taylor as a run threat last season. And what I mean by run threat is read option looks. Uh, Taylor Heineke is very mobile. Washington last season did not take advantage of that mobility enough. Uh, Most of Taylor's big runs came on scrambles. I don't get why we can't see more read option looks with Taylor Heineke. You know, Taylor for the 2021 regular season was number 11 among all qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in ESPN's clutch weighted expected points added through rushes. Uh, That is a wordy stat, I know, Uh, but that is a great advanced stat for measuring the true impact of a quarterback as a runner. Taylor for the 2021 regular season was number 11 among all qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in that stat. Believe it or not, Carson Wentz was number nine. Uh, Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen was number one. Going to be interesting to see to what extent Taylor Heineke's mobility affects the commander's offensive line, which of course has not been good this season, but was better in the win at the Bears. Are things trickier for the offensive line with a guy like Taylor Heineke, who can move around a lot, as opposed to a more stationary quarterback like Carson Wentz? Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on that. It doesn't necessarily affect them. Um, like they're not going to block any differently. Um, sometimes maybe the, the only thing is they got to, you know, and they're going to tell the whistle, but they got to understand they got to maintain their blocks and stay in front of their guys because Taylor might hold on to a little more by a little bit more time um, back there. Again, we're, we're telling Taylor to get the ball out, but there's some times where he might extend extend some plays some. Um, you know, I think. You know, I don't. They're going to approach the game. You know, the the same way though. They're not. They're not going to think, hey, you know, he's going to run around. You know, we can block. We we got a little easier or anything like that. You know, they got to block the guy in front of them. Well, maybe the biggest question regarding Taylor Heineke is: Is twenty twenty two Taylor Heineke significantly better than twenty twenty one Taylor Heineke? Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on what he sees in Taylor this season that's different from what Scott saw in Taylor last season. I think, um, you know, the more you play, the more experience you have, it's going to build confidence. I think just the confidence of, you know, knowing, hey, I've, I've started 15 games in this league or, you know, 17 total, but 15 games in one season. And then kind of being able to step back and watch uh, and see someone else do it. Uh, I think, you know, he just, it's all a learning experience. I mean, you look at, you know, any starter in this league, they've all been better the longer that they've played, whether they're a backup or a first-round pick, whatever. I mean, you know, guys that stick in the league. And I think just the, all the things he went through, all the experiences he had is only going to help him, you know, as he, as he plays this week. I've talked about how Taylor Heineke in the 2021 regular season had this extreme high-variance season. Uh, so you hear me use the ESPN total QBR stat a lot. QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. Taylor, in three of his last four games last season, had a total QBR of 6.3 or less. Uh, That is atrocious, man. Uh, But also for Taylor last season was him having some monster games in terms of total QBR. The 27-21 win at the Carolina Panthers last November 21st, total QBR of 92.7. The 34-30 win at the Atlanta Falcons on October 3rd, 2021, total QBR of 88.7. Those are MVP-level total QBRs right there. The commander's quarterback situation has gotten the bulk of the attention in terms of the team's offense this week, but another topic has been the running back mix. The commanders in their win at the Bears 
ultimately ran the ball well. Uh, running backs Brian Robinson Jr., Antonio Gibson, and J.D. McKissick combined for 24 carries for 115 yards and a touchdown. That works out to 4.79 yards per carry, but how he got there was interesting. Very little Antonio Gibson until the second half. Uh, Gibson for the game had five carries for 35 yards and had three receptions for 18 yards on four targets in playing on 26% of the commander's offensive snaps. All eight of Gibson's touches came in the second half. Head coach Ron Rivera, in his day after the game Zoom press conference last Friday afternoon, admitted that the commanders got away from Gibson and expressed regret over that. This was Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on the process by which he decides on which running back to go with. The the good thing about like having backs that you that you like is that you can kind of play the fresh guy, you know. Um, if one guy's rolling, you can stick with him. But if they need a blow, you don't feel, you know, you didn't feel like he has to push through something. Uh, you can get fresh legs. I think, you know, we didn't have a lot of plays in the first half. Uh, B. Rob was rolling, and then we gate, got Antonio, and he was fresh, and you know, he was. I think he was ready to get in there. He, he was. I didn't know why he wasn't playing as much in the first half. So he wanted to say, hey, you know, here I am, basically, and he gave us a little bit of juice, made a couple big plays. Um, those guys have a little bit of a different skill set, as we know. Uh, but you know they they when they're fresh you know and the defense is tired it adds a dynamic yes it does uh here was some more from scott turner on thursday afternoon on running back usage there, there's probably going to be some times that come up where it's the other way where we say hey we wish we got to get brian a little bit more involved i mean a lot of that is flow in the game um you know if, if antonio's in there and and he's rolling you know what i mean you're gonna you're gonna stick with him you're going to stick with him, you know, and that's when, when you have two two backs. I mean, obviously, Antonio's been a 1,000-yard rusher in this league. We think a lot of Brian. Um, so you want your those guys to, not, you know, to always want more, you know. And like you said, there's only one ball. So um, I think it's going to be a little back and forth. And there's nothing wrong with that. What matters at the end of the game is your overall rushing offense output. Who you use to get there doesn't really matter. I have no problem with the commander simply riding the hot hand at running back with Brian Robinson Jr., Antonio Gibson, and J.D. McKissick. I think that that has been the plan all along, although I think that the coaching staff believes that Gibson has the best chance to have the hot hand. So Rod Rivera, during his post-practice press conference on Tuesday afternoon, talked about having conducted a self-scout during the commander's mini-buy off having played now two Thursday nights ago. Here was Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on what he saw with his offense in doing the self-scout. Yeah, I mean, there, I mean, there's a lot to look at. You know, we, you know, we've had games, number one, like we've talked about this before, um, negative plays have killed us, you know, have killed drives, which essentially, you know, that's possessions and, and keeps us from, you know, scoring points, moving the ball. Um, that was the one thing we had to look at. You know, third downs, uh, got to be better on third downs. That's the same thing. You know, it keeps you off the field. We got to get to better third downs. We got way too many third and longs. Um, and then when we get in third and manageable, we got to convert, you know. Um, and then, we got to play a complete game. Like there's been games like last week where we ran the ball well, but then we didn't do a good job, you know, in the passing game. Um, Dallas game, same deal. Tennessee game, you know, we're throwing the ball up and down the field. Um, we had some decent looks to run the ball, and we didn't capitalize, you know. And uh, we got to play a game where we can do both, you know, and that and that'll that's basically that'll help us help us move the ball, help us be more uh, successful consistently. Well, what you heard from Scott Turner right there was a summary of the many, and I mean many, 
problems with the commander's offense. The commander's offense through week six had the following rankings for the 2022 regular season. Number 29 in the NFL in total offense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric. Number 29 in the NFL in passing offense per DVOA. Number 29 in the NFL in rushing offense per DVOA. Number 26 in the NFL in third down efficiency, including being a horrendous three of 22 on third downs over the last two games. Yes, you heard that right. Three of 22. I mean, that is some brutal offense right there. The commander's offense over weeks one and two actually looked promising, right? Certainly the passing game did, but things have fallen apart since then. Major onus on the commander's offense to be better. Hopefully that'll start this Sunday afternoon against the Packers. Well, speaking of better Dr. Matthew Mintz has a much better way of losing weight for you if you have struggled to lose weight or have lost weight, but then put the weight back on. Consider Dr. Mintz the Bill Walsh of weight loss. Uh, Dr. Matthew Mintz is a board-certified internal medicine physician and weight loss expert in Bethesda, Maryland. Dr. Mintz understands your frustration because he himself has struggled with being overweight. You see, there's a reason that most weight loss programs fail, and that's because the human body has evolved over time to prevent you from losing weight. And while these mechanisms were protective hundreds of years ago, today these mechanisms just make weight loss extremely difficult. Well, the solution is medical weight loss. By using prescription medications that fight the factors that prevent weight loss, Dr. Mintz will help you achieve your weight loss goals. And not only will you lose the weight, but you'll keep the weight off. And while you may have tried weight loss medications in the past, there now are newer medications that are not only safe and effective, but also can achieve nearly the same weight loss as surgery. You see, Dr. Mintz does not use powders, shakes, or other special foods that you need to purchase. Instead, he uses prescription medications and personalized lifestyle changes and he'll give you the support that you need to succeed. Dr. Matthew Mintz's medical weight loss program includes an initial in-person comprehensive evaluation, blood work, and a customized weight loss plan, in-person or virtual follow-up visits to keep you on track, a full year of phone calls and emails to answer questions or troubleshoot problems, and one year of prescription medications for weight loss. The good news is that many, if not all of these things, will be covered by or reimbursable through your insurance. Dr. Matthew Mintz, he has been in practice for over 25 years. He serves as clinical faculty at the George Washington University School of Medicine, and he is consistently ranked as a top doctor by Washingtonian Magazine. He is a huge Commanders fan and a loyal listener of the Al Galdi podcast. If you are ready to lose your excess weight the right way, Find out more about Dr. Matthew Mintz's medical weight loss program by calling 855-646-8963. That's 855-646-8963. And make sure that you tell Dr. Mintz that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit drmintz.com. That's D-R-Mintz, M-I-N-T-Z.com. And click on medical weight loss. That's 855-646-8963 or drmintz.com, and make sure that you tell Dr. Mintz that Al Galdi sent you.
Do you trust the commander's defense against quarterback Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers offense? Uh, A month ago, the answer would have been an emphatic hails to the nah. But right now, your answer might be yes. Uh, Trust is a tricky thing, but I know that I'll be very disappointed if the commander's defense doesn't play well against the Packers at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon. The commander's defense, since its poor performance in the loss at the Detroit Lions in Week 2, has played well. Uh, Four consecutive, at least decent, if not good, if not very good games. Uh, The Packers, meantime, have scored more than 22 points just twice in six games in the 2022 regular season. That's a big reason that the pack is just three and three. And, you know, I say just three and three. Of course, we'd kill for the two and four commanders to be three and three. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, by the way, a full participant in Packers practice on Thursday off having not practiced on Wednesday due to a right thumb injury, but not practicing for the Packers for a second consecutive day were receivers Randall Cobb and Christian Watson. Uh, Cobb is dealing with an ankle injury. Watson is dealing with a hamstring problem. Uh, Just two commanders defensive players on the team's active roster did not practice on Thursday. Corner William Jackson III on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day due to his ailing back. Although, as is well known by now, there is a lot more going on with him. Uh, He and the loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field in Week 5 got benched, and he may or may not have asked to be traded, depending on who you believe. Also, corner Tariq Castro-Fields did not practice on Thursday off having been a limited participant in practice on Wednesday. He's dealing with a knee issue. But safety Percy Butler on Thursday, a full participant in practice off having been a limited participant in practice on Wednesday. He has been inactive for each of the last two games due to a quadriceps injury. Uh, By the way, edge defender Chase Young, who remains on the reserve physically unable to perform list as he continues to recover from his uh, torn right ACL that was suffered last November 14th. Uh, His much-anticipated next checkup with Dr. James Andrews won't happen until Sunday. Uh, That according to a tweet from Commander's Insider John Keim of ESPN on Thursday morning. Uh, John, in his tweet, also said that if all goes well, Chase will practice next week. Uh, So that's good news, I guess, although the checkup's not happening until Sunday. Really good stuff, by the way, from John Keim on this podcast this week. It was good to have John on the pod. Uh, John was on Tuesday's show, episode 423. Commander's defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio did a post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon. As is usually the case, uh, Jack did not say much, but you know what? Props to Jack. He has his defense playing well. Big challenge this Sunday afternoon, even with the Packers offense having problems right now. Here was Jack on Thursday afternoon on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, no, I, you got a, one, of the, one of the all-time greats at the position. He's extremely um, accurate, um, good decision maker. He can throw the ball from a lot of different slots, a lot of different angles. Um, gets it out, makes makes decisions, and gets it out really really quick. So, uh, you know, he's one of the elite players at, at the quarterback position. Has been for a long time doing it. So, a lot of respect for him, and uh, you know, geared up, ready to go. Washington played the Packers last season, a 24-10 loss at the Packers on October 24th, 2021. Jack Del Rio's defense in that game got sliced and diced by Aaron Rodgers, who went 27-35 for 274 yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions, and had two carries for 17 yards, including a big 
15-yard scramble. Uh, the Commanders over their last two games have totaled 10 sacks and 25 quarterback hits. And so we, on Thursday afternoon, had the following exchange between Commanders insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times and Jack Del Rio. This might be a dumb question, but I, I know go, go <laughs> I know sacks aren't everything, but when you guys are actually converting pressures into sacks, what does that do for the defense? When we are or are yeah, when are you when you guys are like actually converting converting good yeah. <laughs> not converting so good, maybe not as good sure yeah I mean the, the idea is we want to hit and and affect the quarterback as much as we can you know clearly closing the deal with the sack is is the ultimate well sack fumbles the ultimate but um, you've got to be able to pressure the quarterback in this league and uh, that'll, that'll be a task this week. Yes, it will. Sacks are a tricky thing. Uh, You can generate pressures, but not turn those pressures into sacks. Uh, This is part of why you should never judge a pass rush solely on sacks. You should look at a variety of things. Sacks, pressures, quarterback hits. Uh, The commanders for the 2021 regular season were 19th in the NFL in team sack percentage. The commanders in the 2022 regular season through week six were fourth in the NFL in team sack percentage. Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on why. There's nothing so simple about it. I mean, it's it's a it's it's work. Um, it's an understanding. It's getting a group of men to work as as a team together. Um, it's not about an individual. You know, uh, in order to rush the quarterback, it's it's got to be it's got to be coordinated. It's got to be understood. You've got to play off each other and uh, communicate with each other and um, and execute together. And I think we're doing that at a higher level. We need to continue to work at it and get better at it as we go, but that's that's been you know where some of the improvement has has shown up. Yeah, I mentioned quarterback hits. Uh, how about edge defender Montez Sweat, who has been outstanding in each of the commander's last two games. He, in the 2022 regular season, has three sacks, but also 14 quarterback hits. Uh, Montez, through week six, ranked tied for second in the NFL in quarterback hits. All right, time now to go behind enemy lines for the 2-4 and four Commanders game against the 3-3 three and three Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. But in this case, the person taking us behind enemy lines is a man who had been one of us. Perhaps he is serving as a mole for us with the Packers. Uh, my friend, my pal, my former co-worker at the Team 980, Steve Zabin. A host of the Steve Zabin Show on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee and the host of his own podcast, The Zabecast. You can follow him on Twitter at Zabe. Hey, Zabe, how are you? I'm doing good. It is my first game uh, opposing the team from Washington. Last year, when the Washington football team came to Lambeau and gave the Packers a much stickier time than I think many of the locals thought they would with Taylor Heineke at the helm, lifelong Packer fan. And uh, history repeats itself this Sunday, right? With Heineke. Yeah. Um, it was a game in which I said I would finally bury 
my relationship, my allegiance of any lingering allegiance or lingering feeling toward the Washington football team, which I knew was about to change its name. So this will be the first official game playing for another team. And the funny thing is, I think it could be a real scrap. This Packer team is not playing well. Their offensive line put down one of the worst efforts I've ever seen on tape against the Jets. And the one thing the commanders have, at least right now, is a front four that can get it heated up, even without Chase Young. Am I right? Yes, uh, the commander's defensive line is playing very well. Uh, the commander's defense overall is playing well. I wanted to ask you this, and you just kind of answered this, but the Packers have gone from 3-1 and one to 3-3, three and 27-22 three, loss to the New York Giants in London in Week 5, and then the stunning 27-10 loss at home to the New York Jets in Week 6. Is there panic in Packers land? It sounds like there is panic. <laughs> well, it's the first two-game losing streak since Matt LaFleur <laughs> took over for Mike McCarthy. You are so spoiled. You people are so spoiled. Unbelievably spoiled. That's why the term entitled town is actually a thing. Uh, because 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterbacking, it puts you into this fantasy world that you don't even understand how most of the league lives, trying to figure out who's our quarterback this Sunday. So first two-game losing streak, as you know in the NFL, that's all it takes is to get people panicked. Two losses in a row. And you think, oh my God, what's going wrong? And everything feels weird and awful. If it's three in a row, then you got a genuine crisis. But first two-game losing streak, and there's just a lot of stuff that's not happening with this Packer team that they thought or hoped or assumed would happen. The defense was supposed to be all world. It's not. They're not creating turnovers. Uh, they're not being disruptive. They were supposed to run the ball with Dylan and Jones, and that's not happening on a consistent basis. And the receivers, I think, are meh or meh minus, and the O-line can't protect Rodgers. So it's been a grind so far. I think anyone who says otherwise is lying. So with the Packers' lackluster play at receiver, the Packers trading receiver Devontae Adams to the Las Vegas Raiders this past March. In hindsight, was trading Adams a mistake? Not a mistake because they, they made a credible run at him with an offer. I think he just had it in his mind he wanted to leave. Not necessarily out of spite, but he decided, look, they had a chance to lock me up when they did, and they couldn't, and they didn't, so I'm going to leave. And he wanted to go to Vegas and play with his guy, Derek Carr. So I don't think that could have been saved. It also would have really tied the team up money-wise in a way that would not have allowed them to re-sign some of their defensive players. So I wouldn't term it a mistake. I think Devontae had his heart set on leaving, and they made at least a credible offer to keep that they miss him badly because he would win every time on every route, basically. He was always open like a 7-Eleven for Rodgers. And so, you know, he got to always in, in his back of his mind, his back pocket, he knew 17 was going to be open, and that made things a lot easier. So now they don't have that. The Packers' starting quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, uh, what kind of a season is Rodgers having? Uh, underwhelming so far, to be sure. But then again, a lot of guys are, right? So I'd say it's underwhelming. It just the protection is not there, especially last week. 
You know, you look at the All-22s and guys do a good job now on social media. People that follow teams, they watch the All-22s and they point things out. There are receivers that are getting uncovered in nicely schemed up passing plays that are just a beat or two away from Rodgers being able to throw it to him, but he's already on his back. So, um, yeah, there's guys that could be getting open, but Rodgers is struggling right now, I'd say would be the word. This is Aaron Rodgers' age 39 season. Is he showing his age, or are his struggles more about what's around him? I mean, that's quite possible. The funny thing I was thinking about this the other day is sometimes you think, wow, maybe the simplest explanation is the explanation. And I, the, the phrase rang into my head, Galdi, wait a minute, maybe Brady is the outlier. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Maybe he is the exception that proves the rule. Everyone wants to say, well, Brady's 45. Look at him. He's still playing. But Breeze crapped out about this age. Big Ben crapped out about this age. Peyton Manning crapped out about this age. Maybe Brady is the outlier, and maybe Rodgers is destined to the same fate. We're talking Commanders Packers with Steve Zabin, host of the Steve Zabin Show on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee. Aaron Rodgers in his press conferences, as you know, can come off detached and too cool for school and not all in. I get, though, that that is a national perception. Is that also a local perception? Yeah, no, that perception, people have been used to it now for a while. He could be at times too... You know, look how smart I am. He's been more detached at times than I would like the guy to be. I would like him to do the typical rah-rah press conference thing, be more, I need to play better, I need to do this, I need to do that, not so much like, hey, you know, things aren't going well. He kind of detaches himself at times. And he can be prickly at times. Like one of our guys, one of our hosts, Mike Keller, asked a question, you know, how high is your confidence that, or how great is your confidence that this team can be what it, you know, wants to be, and his curt response was a lot higher than yours. <laughs> and it was like, it was like, what, what's that all about? You don't even know my opinion of what this team could be. So he's an interesting guy, and they, that's already been baked in up here, though. They know that. You've mentioned the Packers defense. Uh, what has gone wrong with the Packers defense? Well, remember that guy, Joe Barry? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to blame it all on Joe Barry, but boy, when when defenses that have talent and guys who have been paid and guys who have been highly drafted and think they're loaded and talk a big game don't perform, why shouldn't some of the blame go to the coordinator? I just don't think they play aggressive enough for the talent that they have, and that's Joe Barry's MO. He wants things in front of him. He he wants to, you know, rage, you know, race to the ball and tackle. He doesn't want to dictate to the offense and it's a tough deal joe barry's a nice guy but as we saw in dc he presided over bottom five defenses right yeah uh there and was when he was when he was in detroit he was on an 0 16 team as their d coordinator and the one year he was with mcveigh in la that was the reset year where they didn't win the super bowl and they didn't go back to the nfc title game so at what point do you have to say well the track record is nice guy not a good de- defensive coordinator. 
it's crazy with the Packers from our standpoint because there are a lot of Redskins-Packers connections. Uh, one of them, of course, is edge defender Preston Smith. He played for the Skins for four seasons, 2015 through 2018. He's now in his fourth season with the Packers. Uh, he's second on the team with three and a half sacks. How's our guy Preston Smith doing? He's okay. I don't think he's a difference-making defensive end. Uh, I still think he's kind of stiff. He's good in pass rush. He benefits from being opposite Rashawn Gary, who's just tearing people a new one. Um, But he's been solid. He's missed very little time. And he's been a good, solid free agent acquisition, I'd say. But nothing spectacular. The Packers head coach, the former Redskins quarterbacks coach, Matt LaFleur, fourth season as Packers head coach. He has a regular season record of 42-13. and uh, He has a playoff record of 2-3. and three. If you had to assign a letter grade for Matt LaFleur's overall performance as Packers head coach, what would that grade be? It has to be an A, because I'm a believer in the Parcells motto of you are what your record says you are. And while he's had the benefit of Aaron Rodgers... You know, winning in this league is very hard. And so his record is incredible. It's it's one of the best first three-year records ever. I do think, though, that this is the first year in which he's going to be really challenged to try to navigate a challenging year and to get a team that's underperforming to play better and to maybe compromise on some of the things that he would like to do or he thinks works on paper that aren't working out on the grass when they line up and play. So Aaron Rodgers became the Packers starting quarterback beginning with the 2008 season. The Packers with him have just one Super Bowl title and one Super Bowl appearance over 14 seasons, 2008 through 2021. They're just one in four in NFC championship games with Rodgers. How prevalent in Wisconsin uh, is the feeling that the Packers haven't accomplished enough with Rodgers? There's a lot of people that scream that to my face from <laughs> playing golf with them or on the radio that, you know, I, I can't believe you, 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 Dave, you talk about how great Rogers is. They've been to one Super Bowl with them. And I say, fair point. Is there any acknowledgement that getting there is hard? And they say, it doesn't matter. That's what we judge people on. And that's not an invalid opinion. I guess I've been a little bit, grading Rodgers on a curve in that regard. I do think from the team standpoint, Galdi, I don't like the fact that they don't vibrate the team with a greater sense of urgency, with a greater edge, with a greater anger that they have pissed away now. Think about this. Three straight years, they've gone 13 wins. They were the number one seed in the playoffs last year, lost in the first game at home. Then the year before that, they had a home game for the for the chance to go to the Super Bowl. They lost to Brady and the Bucks, And then the year before that, they were in the NFC title game and got routed by the Niners. That's a lot of not coming up clutch when you need it in a three-year span. And I just don't feel like there's that anger, there's that urge, there's that, God, we're throwing this away. What are we doing? It's a very corporate, and we're the Packers. Of course we're good. And they feel like they might have just been a bit unlucky. Is that a Midwest thing, do you think? Because, as you know, here on the East Coast, uh, plenty of fan bases would be rather unhappy with just one Super Bowl title and one Super Bowl appearance over 14 seasons with an all-time great quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. 
I think it's a uh, 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterbacking, entitled town mentality. I think it's the fact there's no owner. See, an owner, which is the team's both blessing and sometimes its curse, an owner gets the place vibrating on that edge, right? Because the owner is the one cussing out the GM who cusses out the coach and it vibrates down through like, why the bleep aren't we winning Super Bowls with this roster I'm paying for, with this quarterback? You don't have that. You've got a board of directors, you've got, you know, a former Redskin, Mark Murphy, who's the head of it. And they're just very buttoned up. They're, you know, they are, they are the Tiffany franchise that has had regular season success. And gosh, golly, we just didn't get it done in the playoffs, but you know, Roll out the barrel. <laughs> we are the Midwest team. We are so friendly. We are the Green Bay Packers. That's the that's the vibe right there. It's not an East Coast vibe. All right. Before I let you go, I know that you're out on the Commanders, but I'm assuming that you're aware of everything going on with our team right now. Okay. So let me put a quarter in your jukebox yeah. on this. I believe... The blood is in the water. It's a just a matter of time. Others, though, swear it's Charlie Brown and the football all over again. Don't get your hopes up. Do you think this is the beginning of the end for Dan Snyder? I do. Uh, I wouldn't be stunned if it's not, but that the people who matter the most in a potential ouster of Dan Snyder, the other NFL owners seemingly are turning on Dan, is huge. Uh, that is massive. Yeah, and the league is rolling on so many fronts, you know. All this new TV money, the Amazon stuff, the yeah. fact they're going to invade Black Friday now. I mean, the league is steamrolling towards being a $25 billion a year enterprise, which is what their goal was 10 years ago. And so anything that gets in the way of that, anything that causes their stickiness and just to be a pain in the ass, which is Snyder right now. Snyder is a major pain in the ass. He's in every mainstream news media headline for his douchebaggery. And so, yeah, they definitely want him out. And I think the time is here. Two years max. That would be lovely. Zabe, go Commanders. Thanks a lot for coming on. Good luck on Sunday. <laughs> All right, up next, my rhyming keys for a Commander's win over the Packers. Who needs luck when you have rhyming keys? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The two and four Commanders host the three and three Green Bay Packers this Sunday afternoon at one. This will be the sixth regular season slash postseason game between Washington and and Green Bay since the start of the 2016 season. Five regular season games and a playoff game. Uh, The two teams have played each other quite a bit in recent seasons. How do the Commanders win this game and get to three and four? My friends, it is that time. The time to rhyme. It's time for rhyming keys. My keys to a Commander's victory in rhyming fashion. Oh, these rhymes, they are not meant to be good. They are only meant to make a few points. And in fact, I have a saying for this segment, the worse the rhyme, the better the time. And so here we go. Hardcore analysis combined with scheduled fun rhyming keys for a commander's win over the Packers. How do the commanders win this game? We now rhyme the ways. Rhyming key number one, this is for the commander's defense. Don't be dumb, but pound Aaron Rodgers and his right thumb. Uh, So Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers was a full participant in Packers practice on Thursday of having not practiced on Wednesday due to a right thumb injury. Uh, He is, of course, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Uh, but he is not having a great season. Uh, The commanders may well be catching the great Aaron Rodgers at just the right time. I mentioned this earlier, Rodgers through week six, just 24th out of 32 qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in ESPN's total QBR for the 2022 regular season. His offensive line and pass catchers have had major issues. And one of the results of this is that Rodgers is taking sacks. He, for the 2022 regular season, has a sack percentage of 6.7. That's his highest sack percentage in four seasons. The commander's defensive line, it is playing well and it is racking up the sacks. Uh, The Commanders, through week six, had the following rankings for the 2022 regular season. Number four in the NFL in team sack percentage. Number three in the NFL in pressure percentage per sport radar. Uh, The likes of Montez Sweat and Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen and James Smith-Williams and F.A. Obada and Casey Tuhill, uh, they should have ample opportunity to smash Aaron Rodgers on Sunday afternoon. Now, you got to be careful, A, because of all of this roughing the passer penalty stuff that has been swirling in the NFL this season, and B, because Aaron Rodgers is a particular quarterback golden boy in the NFL. He is a protected guy, but we all know that the best way not to get burned by a great quarterback is to pressure him and hit him and rattle him. Uh, Commander's defensive lineman can't be reckless, Can't commit dumb penalties, but Commander's defensive linemen on Sunday afternoon should be able to continue to bring the pain. And so rhyming key number one, this for the Commander's defense, don't be dumb, but pound Aaron Rodgers 
and his right thumb. Rhyming key for Commanders Packers number two. This for Commanders Offensive Coordinator Scott Turner. Embrace your rushing attack against the Pack. Uh, you know me, no slave to the running game of my. Uh, that said, when appropriate, NFL offenses should embrace running the ball. This game for the Commanders against the Packers would appear to be one of those times. The Packers, through week six, were dead last in the NFL in run defense for Football Outsiders DVOA metric for the 2022 regular season. Take a listen to some of these performances by running backs against the Packers this season. Week one, the Packers 23-7 loss at the Minnesota Vikings. Dalvin Cook, 20 carries for 90 yards. Week two, the Packers 27-10 win over the Chicago Bears on Sunday Night Football. David Montgomery, 15 carries for 122 yards. Week four, the Packers 27-24 overtime win over the New England Patriots. Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson combined for 32 carries for 152 yards and a touchdown. Week six, the Packers 27-10 loss to the New York Jets. Brees Hall, 20 carries for 116 yards and a touchdown. You get the idea. Uh, the Commanders running game overall has not been good this season. The Commanders through week six were 29th out of 32 NFL teams in rushing offense per DVOA for the 2022 regular season. But the Commanders in their last game, the 12-7 win at the Chicago Bears now two Thursday nights ago, ran the ball well against a bad Bears run defense, especially considering that quarterback Taylor Heineke is making his first start of the 2022 regular season. Ain't nothing wrong with taking advantage of what has been a major weakness for the Packers this season, lightening the load on Taylor and playing ball control in order to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. Uh, also know this, the Packers' pass defense has been good this season. Uh, the Packers, through week six for the 2022 regular season, were number nine in the NFL in pass defense per DVOA and were number one in the NFL in third down defense. And so, rhyming key number two, this for Scott Turner, embrace your rushing attack against the Pack. Rhyming key for Commanders Packers number three, this is for the Commanders' new starting quarterback, Taylor Heineke. You have an opportunity against this Packers D led by Joe Barry. <laughs> uh, yes, former Redskins defensive coordinator Joe Barry. He is the Packers' defensive coordinator. It's funny, we spent so much time coming into this season talking about Carson Wentz's opportunity with the Commanders as probably being his last opportunity as a true QB1 in the NFL. Well, this run for Taylor Heineke in place of the injured Carson is a major opportunity for Taylor. Uh, you know, he is set to be an unrestricted free agent this coming offseason. Uh, this season is the final season of a two-year contract extension to which he was re-signed in February 2021, Taylor's run as the commander starting quarterback for however long that the run lasts is an opportunity to showcase himself to both the commanders and the rest of the NFL. Uh, I, on Thursday's show, episode 425, spent a good bit of time playing and reacting to things that Taylor said at a post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon. I thought that Taylor came across well. Uh, he came across confident, but he also came across as someone who has learned some lessons from his 15 starts in the 2021 regular season. Uh, let's see a better Taylor Heineke on Sunday afternoon 
than we saw last season. Let's see a Taylor who plays smart, efficient football. Let's see some positive results from him having worked on his throwing mechanics this past offseason in an effort to add more velocity to his past attempts. And let's see Taylor use maybe his greatest weapon of all, his mobility. I do not want to see a shackled Taylor Heineke on Sunday afternoon. I want to see a Taylor Heineke who plays smart, plays confident, and plays free. And so rhyming key number three, this is for the commander's new starting quarterback, Taylor Heineke. You have an opportunity against this Packers D led by Joe Barry. And one more, it is number four, rhyming key for commander's Packers number four. This is for the entire commander's team. Impress those who attend homecoming weekend. Uh, There has been a lot of conversation about a lot of things having to do with this weekend being Washington's annual alumni homecoming weekend. Washington has been doing these alumni homecoming weekends for years now. You know, one of the most famous homecoming-related items for the franchise was a rant by then-Carolina Panthers running back D'Angelo Williams in 2012 after a Redskins loss to the Panthers at FedEx Field in the Skins' homecoming game for that season. D'Angelo acted all insulted uh, that the Panthers had been the Skins' homecoming opponent. Uh, That loss was the Skins' final loss that season before going on a regular season-ending seven-game winning streak to go from 3-6 and to 10-6 and in winning the NFC East. Uh, That loss also was a loss after which the Skins' head coach at the time, Mike Shanahan, famously said that it was time to start evaluating for next season. And the Panthers' head coach at the time was, yes, Rod Rivera. Uh, I am not one of these people who's all bothered that the commanders do an alumni homecoming weekend. I really don't think that there's anything wrong with that. It's not like Washington makes its own schedule and purposely schedules what the team believes are bad teams for these homecoming games. Uh, The commanders with this homecoming game on Sunday afternoon can get to three and four and make their season truly viable. And that's what matters here. Uh, Now, look, it may well be that what is in the best long-term interest of the commanders is for them to lose a lot the rest of this season in order to get as high of a first-round pick as possible in what is setting up to be a quarterback-rich 2023 NFL draft. But for the purpose of this season, this homecoming game against a beatable Packers team is a chance to inject some juice back into this commander's season, and yes, is a chance to impress the alumni. And so rhyming key number four, this for the entire Commanders team, impress those who attend homecoming weekend. All right, it is prediction time. Uh, The line for this game per win bet as of very early Friday morning is Commanders plus five. Uh, Green Bay, since naming former Redskins quarterbacks coach Matt LaFleur as Packers head coach in January 2019, had never lost two consecutive games in a regular season until now, let alone three consecutive games in a regular season. That's about to change. Give me the Commanders plus the points. Final score, Commanders 24, Packers 21, Taylor Heineke. Two touchdown passes and a touchdown run.
All right, time now to talk college football. Virginia played on Thursday night, and Virginia won on Thursday night, although, boy, was this game ugly. Uh, Virginia improved to 3-4 and four overall and 1-3 in the ACC, a 16-9 win at Georgia Tech on Thursday night. A thriller this game was not. Uh, the Cavaliers won the second half 3-0. Uh, the two teams won a combined 8 of 35 on third downs. The Cavs won despite committing four turnovers. The Cavs won despite having 10 accepted penalties for 92 yards as Virginia continues to have a major penalty problem. The Cavs won despite their special teams being a disaster, a black field goal attempt, another missed field goal attempt, a black punt, and the giving up of a Georgia Tech first down via a 15-yard leaping penalty on a fourth-quarter Georgia Tech punt. And how about this? The game ended with Georgia Tech quarterback Zach Gibson running out of bounds on the final play. Uh, Just an ugly mess of a game, but this was a Virginia victory. Uh, The Wahoos defense caught a big break and was really good. Uh, So Georgia Tech's starting quarterback, Jeff Sims, He left the game due to injury, and unlike in the Who's previous game, they capitalized on the opposing quarterback being out in this game. Uh, Virginia's previous game was a 34-17 loss to Louisville at Scott Stadium in Charlottesville, Virginia on October 8th. The Who's lost that game despite Louisville star quarterback Malik Cunningham not playing in that game due to being in concussion protocol. The Who's defense in that game ended up being a big disappointment, but the Who's defense on Thursday night was great. Uh, They held Georgia Tech to just 202 total net yards of offense and just 2.8 yards per play. The Hoos held Georgia Tech to just 6 of 21 on third downs. The Hoos totaled 8 sacks. Uh, UVA quarterback Brennan Armstrong had a mixed game. Uh, He completed just 20 of his 35 pass attempts, threw for just 255 yards, and threw two interceptions, including a pick six. But Armstrong did have a touchdown pass, which was a second quarter, first and 10, 44-yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Dontavian Wicks, who did an excellent job after the catch, made multiple great moves to get by would-be tacklers. And uh, this was Armstrong's 57th career touchdown pass setting a new Virginia record. Uh, also, Armstrong had 13 carries for 91 yards and a touchdown, and Armstrong took no sacks. Here was UVA head coach Tony Elliott during his post-game press conference late night on Thursday night. Man, you know, first of all, really proud of the entire team of, of how they responded. Uh, obviously, a disappointing uh, loss the previous time out, and then you got a, an open date, uh, battling injuries, and, you know, they had a decision to make. You know, are they going to continue to fight, or are they going to pack it in and I thought the guys did a great job of, of preparing uh, and defensively uh, for, for them to, to come out and have eight sacks and, um, you know, shut down the run and, and, and kind of uh, give the opportunity, op- uh, the offense opportunity after opportunity. Just really proud of, of, of how those guys uh, responded and, and played uh, down the stretch. And, you know, Cohen, big interception there. Um, you know, Nick Jackson, uh, no doubt he's our, he's our team leader. 
and he's battling a, a knee, and he did everything that he possibly could to get himself to play. wasn't 100%, but he goes out and has seven tackles, two sacks, and comes up with a fumble recovery. So uh, just really, really proud of, of how inspired those guys play um, throughout, the, uh, throughout the course of the game. And uh, as you said, it was only fitting. Uh, I wish offensively you know, we would, we would uh, you know, find a way to get out of our own way uh, at times uh, and just go finish drives uh, as opposed to uh, allowing penalties or drops to, uh, uh, to stop drives. Yeah, Virginia on Thursday night, like the Commanders the previous Thursday night, an ugly win on the road, but still a win. Next up for Virginia, home to Miami, Saturday afternoon, October 29th at 1230. All right, so we had what we had with Virginia on Thursday night. Let's now get to the rest of week eight of the 2022 college football season with some Goldilocks. My previews and picks against the spreads for games played by Maryland, Navy, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. I last week welcomed James Madison into the Goldilocks family because the Dukes were ranked. uh, They were number 25 in the Associated Press poll, but them being ranked lasted for a mere one week of the then number 25 Dukes lost at Georgia Southern 45-38 last Saturday. Uh, no game for Virginia Tech this week. The Hokies fell to 2-5 and five overall and 1-3 and three in the ACC with a 2014 loss to Miami at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia last Saturday afternoon. Next up for Tech, a game at NC State this Thursday night at 7.30. So here we go. Goldilocks, the record for the season, now a putrid 9-19. and 19. <laughs> just, just horrendous. Uh, all point spreads are from Winbed and are as of very early Friday morning. Goldilocks game number one, Maryland, home to Northwestern, Saturday afternoon at 3.30. The Terrapins are minus 14. Uh, This game against Northwestern is Maryland's homecoming game. The Terps are coming off a wild win last Saturday. Improved to 5-2 overall and and 2-2 in the Big Ten with a 38-33 victory at Indiana. You know, the Terps are 5-2 for the first time since 2016, but the big news from this win at IU was what happened with Maryland quarterback Talia Tungavailoa. Uh, he in the fourth quarter suffered a right leg injury and was carted off the field. A frightening scene, but head coach Mike Loxley on Tuesday said that Talia only re-aggravated a sprained right MCL and is a game-time decision for this game against Northwestern. So a sigh of relief if you are a Terps fan, uh, Talia in the win at Indiana, 25 of 39 for 270 yards, two touchdowns and no interceptions. He took two sacks and he had an early first quarter, first and goal, three yard pistol read option, touchdown run. Speaking of a Maryland quarterback doing well as a runner, uh, the Terps backup quarterback, Wake Forest transfer, Billy Edwards Jr. He came into the game in the fourth quarter and came through without completing a pass. He went 0-3 passing, but he had five carries for 53 yards and a touchdown. He was very effective as a runner. Uh, You had a big game for Terps running back Roman Hemby, 17 carries for 170 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Maryland's defense was good, especially considering that it was without its top corner, Ja'Korian Bennett. He was out due to an injury that was suffered during the Terps practice the previous Thursday, but the Terps held Indiana to just 4.68 yards per play. 
held IU to just four of 13 on third downs. The Terps defense made plays. Maryland generated two interceptions, two forced fumbles, and three sacks. The two interceptions came on Indiana's first offensive play of each half as the Terps finished the game with three takeaways, and the Terps held Indiana quarterback Connor Bazelak to just 292 yards over 42 pass attempts. That works out to just 6.95 yards per pass attempt, though. The Terps did allow him to have three touchdown passes. Uh, you know, ultimately, the Terps won at Indiana despite a number of things going wrong. Yet what happened with Talia Tungavailoa. Uh, you had the Terps playing the game without their top corner, Jacorian Bennett. You had the Terps playing the game without their starting left tackle, Jalen Duncan. He was out due to personal reasons. Uh, the Terps won this game despite blowing leads of 14-3 in the second quarter and 24-17 in the third quarter. Uh, the Terps won this game despite finishing with nine accepted penalties for 94 yards. This was a gut check win for the Terps. Uh, the Northwestern Wildcats, uh, they are 1-5. Five consecutive losses since a season-opening 31-28 win over Nebraska in Dublin, Ireland on August 27th. Uh, that game, a big reason that Nebraska in September fired Scott Frost as head coach. Uh, through Week 7, Maryland was 23rd in the FBS in overall team efficiency per ESPN for this season. Northwestern was 121st. Northwestern legitimately is one of the worst teams in the FBS. Give me Maryland, minus 14. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Yes, thank you, Snoop Dogg. And Goldilocks game number two, Navy home to Houston Saturday at noon. The midshipmen are plus three. They fell to two and four overall and two and two in the American Athletic Conference with a 40-34 loss at SMU last Friday night. Navy trailed in the fourth quarter 40-20, but ended up winning the fourth quarter 27 to make that final score respectable. Uh, Navy's defense was disappointing. The mids allowed SMU to average 9.19 yards per play, and the mids got dissected by SMU quarterback Tanner Mordecai, who went 20-27 for 336 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions, and took no sacks. He averaged 12.44 yards per pass attempt, and he had six carries for 74 yards and a touchdown, which was a third quarter, second and one, 60-yard shotgun read option touchdown run. The bright spot for Navy was the offense. Oh, the mids were very good offensively, for a second consecutive game of having been really bad offensively over their first four games of the season. Uh, you had the mids generating 510 total net yards of offense. You had the mids going 11 of 22 on third downs and 5 of 7 on fourth downs. You had the mids winning the time of possession battle by 21 minutes, 24 seconds. The mids for the game ran 101 offensive plays to SMU's 48, Navy quarterback Ty Lovatai had his first big game in the 2022 season in terms of rushing. He finished with 25 carries for 120 yards and two touchdowns. He also had two touchdown passes, although he went just 9-21 passing for just 138 yards and an interception. He took one sack, uh, but slapback Mikel Haywood had a good game, eight carries for 95 yards. The Houston Cougars, uh, they are 3-3, three and three, haven't played a game since October 7th a 33-32 win at Memphis. Uh, three of Houston's six games this season have been overtime games, and that's not counting that one-point win at Memphis on October 7th. Lots of close games for Houston this season. The public is heavily, and I mean heavily, on Houston. 
Give me Navy plus the three. Make money, money, make money, money, money. All right, and so the rest of your Goldilocks for week eight of the 2022 college football season, Maryland minus 14 and Navy plus three. Also on Saturday, James Madison, home to Marshall, Saturday afternoon at 3.30 in JMU's homecoming game. Old Dominion, home to Georgia Southern, Saturday afternoon at 3.30 in ODU's homecoming game. And Liberty, home to BYU, Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Rough game for the Capitals on Thursday night. I tell you, they are not off to a good start in their 2022-2023 regular season. The Caps fell to 2-3-0, and a 5-2 loss at the Ottawa Senators on Thursday night. The Caps actually led in the first period 2-0, but then got outscored the rest of the game 5-0. Uh, each of the game's first four goals was a power play goal, and the game's last two goals were late third period empty net goals by the Senators. So you, over the course of the game's seven goals, had just one normal even strength goal. Uh, now the Caps were down a bunch of key forwards for this game. Uh, center of Genny Kuznetsov did not play due to serving a one-game suspension for a high-sticking penalty in the Caps' previous game, the 6-4 win over the Vancouver Canucks at Capital Win Arena this past Monday night. Forward Connor Brown did not play on Thursday night, this due to a lower body injury that he suffered in that win over the Canucks. And the Caps already were without center Nicholas Backstrom and forwards Tom Wilson and Carl Hagelin. Uh, The Caps on Thursday night got demolished in the puck possession battle, the Caps per natural stat trick had just 32 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Senators' 57. Yeah, uh, the Caps finished the game with just 24 shots on goal to the Senators' 44. Now, the bulk of this really was the last two periods. Uh, the Caps were fine, actually quite good in the first period, but the Caps over the final two periods of the game got smashed in terms of puck possession. The Caps over the final two periods of the game per natural stat trick had just 15 shot attempts to the Senators' 44. The Caps over the final two periods of the game got nearly tripled up by the Senators in terms of five-on-five shot attempts. And if you go by shots on goal, the Caps over the final two periods of the game, a mere 12 shots on goal to the Senators' 37. In that department, the Caps got more than tripled up. Shots on goal over the final two periods. Senators 37, Caps 12. I mean, just an abysmal performance by the Caps in terms of puck possession. Uh, The Caps also committed five minor penalties, all of which came in the second period. Uh, The Caps went just two of four on the penalty kill. Uh, The Caps were atrocious on faceoffs, 19 and 34 on faceoffs. Two bright spots for the Caps. Actually, thought goaltender Darcy Kemper played pretty well. He stopped 39 of the 42 shots on goal that he faced. And the Caps did go two of four on the power play. So the power play has gotten going now over these last few games. Forwards TJ Oshie and Anthony Mantha had first period power play goals, although Oshie also committed two minor penalties in that five minor penalty second period for the Caps. Uh, here was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his postgame session with reporters on Thursday night, and then you'll hear multiple follow-up exchanges. We shot ourselves in the foot too many times with the puck. Um, you know, if we're not 
then the first period it was we did exactly what we wanted to do we put the puck north we put it behind them we're in the offensive zone we're delivering pucks at the net and uh, second period and third period played east west hockey and didn't deliver any pucks and you know not good enough the penalties you talked earlier about is cutting down on taking unnecessary penalties well i thought we reacted to them in the second period you know and so if you're initiating you can get the other team to react and i thought we reacted to their physicality darcy obviously did a great job to keep you yeah, guys he did. in it and give you a chance but what can you do to keep him from seeing so many bucks well, we got to play down on the other end. You know, like I said, if you turn it over, you're going to come back and play defense pretty quick. Um, we made a lot of big saves. Um, there were some things defensively that were just simple breakdowns that shouldn't happen. It's easier said than done, but do you feel like the fixes for you guys are pretty black and white looking at the second period? Yeah, I mean, well, we know what we do need to do in order to be successful. We didn't do it in the second third period. No, you did not. Next up for the Caps, home to the Los Angeles Kings, Saturday night at 7. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 427, will feature in-depth Reaction to and analysis of whatever happens for the two and four commanders in their game against the three and three Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at one. I'll talk college football week eight, Maryland home to Northwestern Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Navy home to Houston Saturday at noon. James Madison home to Marshall Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Old Dominion home to Georgia Southern Saturday afternoon at 3.30. And Liberty home to BYU Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Also on Monday show, I'll talk Wizards. So two games for the Wiz this weekend, home to the Chicago Bulls Friday night at 7 and at the Cleveland Cavaliers Sunday night at 7. And I on Monday show, we'll talk Capitals. So the Caps have a game on Saturday night, home to the Los Angeles Kings at 7. Have a great rest of your Friday. Have a great Saturday and Sunday, and they'll talk to you on Monday. This might be a dumb question, but I, I know go, go <laughs> I know sacks aren't everything, but when you guys are actually converting pressures into sacks, what does that do for the defense? When we are, or, or yeah, when are you? When you guys are, like actually converting, converting good, yeah. <laughs> not converting so good, maybe not as good. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.